Hello and welcome to the Super Freak Media Podcast, No Goals Allowed, with me, your host, John O'Butler. This month, I have got with me, Liam Banks. Hey, 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 hey. That saying hello like a regular human. Uh, no, I was just stuck. Hey. Hey. Uh, Sarah Thomas is with us. Hello. Hello. And also, we've got Charlie Clark. Hello. Who this time is not on presenting duties. She's back on the panel. Thank f- for that. <laughs> well, it depends how badly you do on this episode, John, because she may get a promotion. She may get a promotion. She may. But she's also Wait. dropped an F bomb already, so yes. off she goes. Yeah, negative one point, Charlie. Negative Standard practice. One. It's a Charlie podcast. There's always going to be swearing. <laughs> so in today's episode, we are going to be talking about our biggest horror disappointments. So the things that have really hacked us off about horror. It could be films that we've been looking forward to for a long time that have turned out to be absolute trash. Or it could be something slightly different, like mine, which is kind of a, a trend in horror that is stressing me out um, we're also go, probably going to have a, a Nick Cage corner special what if he visits if he visits today if, if he visits today he's he's lurking in that corner I can sense him <laughs> you, can, you can smell him I can, I can smell you <laughs> oh, um, God. but yes we will crack on with our disappointments um, Liam I've heard you've got some sort of list so I'm thinking we should crack on with you. We should start with you. Uh, you can okay. reel a few off, and we can jump on the ones that we think, yeah, this grinds our okay. gears. Okay. I think, yeah, th- these are kind of, I'd probably say, significant disappointments for me in the last, like, ten years or so, a little bit, maybe longer. Okay. Um, so you've not been holding what... a grudge or anything. This is like you've made a list over ten years. Yeah, yeah, like 100%. It's in, like, my, my notebook of just films never to watch again that (laughs) doesn't exist but it does for the purpose of the podcast um so yeah i I don't know if if you guys have treated it the same when you've looked for your disappointments but mine mainly kind of revolve around i might have seen a trailer or marketing or there's obviously something that we've seen that's built up hype for a film and then when we've got to the theater um and seen it we're just like (laughs) what what was that because it wasn't the film that i thought it was going to be um so that's kind of what i've gone into it with in terms of my ideas of of what a horror disappointment is so the the first one on my on my list goes back to 2011 and it's paranormal activity number three now i've picked number three in particular because 80s obviously love the 80s i i really obviously enjoyed the hype around number one and uh, number two, I thought was actually better in many ways. They'd up the ante. Uh, I can remember that genuinely scared me when I saw that. And number three had this amazing trailer. Now, the thing that got me was the fact, other than the fact that it was utter shite, was just the fact that a lot of the stuff in the trailer actually wasn't in the film. And I can remember at the time there was a big thing about people being like, well, we've kind of gone into it expecting one thing and, and it really isn't that. So I don't know. Bit bit sneaky of the studio, um, I think, to do that. I did, think. Did you guys check that out? Yeah, I, I think with that's an interesting thing that you've mentioned about things in the trailer not being in the film. Um, mm-hmm. It it kind of work both works both ways, doesn't it? You could have that extreme, or you can have the extreme where they literally show everything in the trailer, and the film is an utter disappointment Absolutely. because it's all been given away. But yeah. to not actually have sequences in the film that are in the trailer is just arsy, yeah. isn't it? That? 
yeah i i very much i felt i think i can remember feeling actually quite mad because <laughs> there was like this whole thing i think with like the house being on fire and stuff that was alluded to mm. in the in the in the trailer and it was going to explain obviously where the burnt photograph was from in the first film and you just didn't really get that much backstory it just felt like it was just thrown in and i know studios will shoot things for the trailer like i know obviously even with the big marvel films they have the shots that are for the trailer don't they that then necessarily aren't in there but i don't know i think with horror um and those sorts of stories they're stripped down to the basics so when stuff isn't included that you've already seen it's a little bit annoying yeah um the next one on the list then uh, i'll try and riff through these then can i just say one uh, last thing on that one um cheers um (laughs) that is the it's the extreme version of of having a look through the dvd shelf at asda or something and seeing an exceptional cover and then none of that appears in the film yeah i suppose it's all marketing isn't it like when you have a star who's in it for like 10 seconds and then they're the biggest head on the poster you're like okay cool yeah (laughs) i'm talking to you bruce willis (laughs) you were shot on a green screen for 30 seconds and yet you still dominate the front cover of this absolutely it's so so annoying and what were you saying sorry sarah I'm just saying that us marketers just like to piss people off. You remember, yeah. unfortunately. I, I hold you 100% accountable for everything. That it was goes all wrong me. That. So, yeah. Sarah's <laughs> just been orchestrating this uh, from the start. Um, I think the, ne- the next one that I wanted to mention was one I think we kind of touched upon a little bit in the remake episode when me and you chatted, Jono, and it mm. was the Carrie remake. Oh. Um, just because, just utter ass. And I mean, I can remember seeing that with you, Charlie. And obviously, I I was quite in depth with that film at the time, um, and I can remember even you were like, "This is dreadful," um, and it had so much promise as well. Like it really for me, did as well. I don't obviously want to speak for you guys, but I felt like it was a very female centered story, and there was a female director and Chloe Grace Moretz, great actress, and I just feel like none of that was like considered at all. It was just shy. I just feel like if you're going to do a remake of something, like, just do something special with it. Otherwise, what's the point? And there was nothing special about that film. And I say that, like, because it was a a female director and it had Chloe Gressmeritz, who's one of my favourite actresses, in it, it should have been amazing. It could have been so good. And it was just like, I remember us walking out of the cinema and going, what a pile of shit. Like, yeah. why did they bother? Yeah. Um, and I hate that I feel like that, but uh, nah. I think it was why? universally like kind of panned at the time. So yeah. I don't think we were the only horror fans who were disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely one that sticks uh, with me. Um, another one, which again, I think you're going to agree with Charlie, because I can remember when we went to see this. Which I think, as I've watched it over the years, I've just realised it's just a pile of crap. Is the Neon Demon, um, which was back in 2016. Now I, I'm going to admit defeat on this one. I'm going to admit defeat defeat on this one, Charlie, because um, obviously I'm a massive fan of, of um, the director who also directed Drive and um, Only God Forgives. I kind of made an effort to see all of his work at the cinema if I could. And I was like, yes, he's doing horror. Looks great. Trailer was decent. It was just, it was just so bad. It was so, so bad. And I think it was very much a case of style over substance. Um, I'm sure you agree. 
I very well. much agree. I think it was, you know, all show and, you know, not good story-wise or script-wise. I thought it was bland. I thought it glamorized rape culture and, you know, that kind of like gratuitous kind of voyeuristic nature of the industry that, you know, thankfully people are a lot more aware of now, but I feel mm -hmm. like it, it was just exploitative in a very uncomfortable way. And as a woman viewing that for the first time, I've never watched it since, but it just made me feel uncomfortable. And in my opinion, you can't, you can't get away with being that gratuitous, to, gratuitous towards rape culture and glamorize it so much just for the sake of art. And I feel that's what it was. Mm. And that's what made me so mad with that film. Um, yeah. So I've, I've, ne I like, I've never liked it. And I am glad that you've come around to mad Your way of thinking. thinking. <laughs> because it's Charlie's way or the highway. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have either of you seen it, um, John or Sarah? No, I haven't. No, I've heard plenty of um, similar kind of thought processes to Charlie and that's kind of made me out of principle not want to watch it. Yeah, I think um, I think because I was, I'd followed kind of the lead up to it so much and I think that's where the disappointment lies. I think I was, I was very much like, well, this is going to be a great film regardless. I'll find something I like about it. And don't get me wrong, I think the soundtrack's incredible and I think it looks really nice in places, but that isn't always enough, is it, for um, for a film to be good? No, I think I, I think avoided it, it, the disappointment on this one because, mm. as you say, people went to see it and then went, oh, mm. no, it's pants. So I, I, I didn't see it, so I didn't get disappointed, which is quite nice. It's such yeah. a disappointment when a director that you've got a lot of respect for and you're really excited to see what they do next yeah. fails so horrendously um, mm. on something that just shouldn't shouldn't even be like a thing. Like, the way in which like it it was very much done for the male gaze but in such an uncomfortable way and I'm, mm. I, I can't remember the year it was brought out Liam you'll you'll tell me it um, was 2016 yeah 2016 so. like even I know we're five years ahead of that now and things have changed a lot even in that five years around like mm. the kind of Harvey Weinstein thing and all of that but like I just think like 2016 like how can you make that big of a of a, mm. I'm not going to say the F word, but a mess up yeah. around that subject matter. And I think that was the disappointing thing for me because, like you said, like he'd done Only God Forgives. He'd done so, so many good films before that. Yeah. To then come out with that was almost like, why have you I think, done that? I think what as well I've kind of pondered through the years, I'm sorry to obviously dwell on this one, but was the fact that his kind of stories before that had maybe been more male-centred, obviously, with Ryan Gosling in the lead. And I don't think that the violence or the actions were any more extreme than what we'd seen in Drive or Only for God Forgives. Because, I mean, they have some harrowing sequences in there as well. Talking about the hammer in Drive and obviously the screwdriver in Only God Forgives. It's Or the icebreaker, sorry. It's. It, I don't think it was that. I just think maybe it was uncomfortable because he kind of didn't really shift things too much for a female sensibility and i i'm not saying that it necessarily needs that but at the same time i do think if you're you're, you're choosing to make a comment on the modeling industry and how it is male male kind of misogynistic and male gaze and everything there you, i don't think you can then also 
put rape and violence in it as well to hammer it home. I think it's a bit too much, but uh, I don't know. That that's um, that's that one. Um, I think just to round off, obviously, my kind of list here. Um, I also will say more recently, and I know we said this on the last episode that I was looking forward to seeing it. I really didn't enjoy Godzilla vs Kong all that much either, uh, which is kind of horror adjacent. But um, yeah, I'm not not the biggest of fans. Has has anyone had a chance to check it out yet? We haven't watched it yet. It's it's on our list to watch. Um, but I know a few. I think it's divided a lot of people. <laughs> I think people have either absolutely loved it, like I know. Our friend Dave Hastings absolutely yeah. loved it, but I think he was going to love it regardless. Um, yeah. Shout out to Dave. Um, but hey, Dave. Yeah, I, I know quite a few people that have gone, hmm, that was, you know. I don't know, because, you know, when you look at it on the face of it, like Rotten Tomatoes, the box office success, all of that, I mean, it's obviously being kind of held up as the most successful film to have been released during this whole COVID situation, which in my eyes, brilliant. That's great. But... I don't think it's any better than Godzilla that we got in 2016 or King of the Monsters, uh, which I believe we got in 2018. Um, I just think, I don't know if it's because uh, I don't really like Kong as a character. I think the human characters in this one were just garbage. They were really bad. And I I don't even think Millie Bobby Brown was all that great in it either, which who I obviously love uh, in whatever she's in. But I I don't know. Um, There was just something about it that just didn't, sit right with me and I just thought it was a bit crap so yeah so I, I was disappointed in the the previous Godzilla film one, the, the one that you mentioned Liam was it King of the Monsters King of the Monsters yeah oh, wow. I, okay. I really didn't like that one um, and from everything that I've heard from like friends who have seen the new one um, mm. Godzilla vs Kong is that it's kind of it's trash but they enjoyed it but that was it mm. from like a, a superfluous yeah. oh yeah they're battering the absolute crap out of each other looks good yeah but yeah apart from that meh i think yeah when the fights get going it's good and i will say i think kind of when we get to the hong kong set piece nearer towards the end and there's uh obviously the, the ending of it and, and things there um it gets a whole lot better but you've i mean it's the shortest one out of the the bunch of like kind of monster films we've got with Kong and, and Godzilla so far, but it it felt like the longest to me, which I feel is a bit odd. Never a good sign, um, is it? So no, I don't know. I was a bit on the fence about that. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it, but unfortunately, it was a disappointment for me out there. But yeah, um, do you want me to talk about my big my big disappointment, like the one that literally uh, pretty much broke me as a filmmaker, or do do we want to? rotate around I the think group what again. we'll do is I think we'll rotate I think we'll go to I think we'll we'll, we'll skip on to, on to uh, Charlie for this one um, and we'll see what Charlie's got to bring and then we'll come back to you Liam um, <laughs> yeah I, I need to save my energy for this you're stewing a little bit on this one <laughs> and I don't want you to boil over too early no so Charlie no, okay. what, what have you brought to the table for us oh I I have brought <laughs> possibly one of the films that has uh, just disappointed me more than most things in my life. Um, surprisingly, <laughs> it's not the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, oh. okay. <laughs> um, although that that's, was a close that's crazy. Um, I, I think I've talked enough about my love for the original Nightmare on Elm Street and how You're much Nightmare I hate Elm Street the remake. Really? I was going to say, what? Just a little bit. I, I, that. Sure. I like Nightmare on Elm Street. 
I do. Um, but no, I'm not going to wow. talk about the Nightmare remake uh, because it's garbage and it doesn't deserve my breath or energy to speak about it. Um, <laughs> but what wow. I am going to talk about is a film that, um, again, Liam, I think we went to see this one together and I think you will agree with me because we I think we've seen a lot the through the years. We've been through a lot through the years <laughs> with films. Yeah. I feel like we could just feel each other next to each other just going... Mm, like the whole way through because it was just so friggin' terrible. It was <sighs> Corin Hardy's 2018 contribution to the Conjuring universe, The Nun. See, I, I don't even like hearing Corin Hardy's name next to that film because I know he's so much better than that I film. I know. That's, that's, <laughs> this is what, this is, right, the things that made me so mad about this film was one corin hardy's name was attached to it it should have been spectacular two half the legwork sorry jono you'll have to edit that out half <laughs> the legwork had already been done in the conjuring 2 like oh i remember going to see the conjuring 2 and valak being established as a character and being absolutely terrified mm-hmm. like to the point where I was like running up the stairs again, like a child in the dark when I was going to bed at night going, oh my God, it's going to be behind me. Like I hated it, <laughs> horrible. Like just the bit where like the hands come around the frame and it, mm, no, it was a big nope as a character and it was so well mm-hmm. established. So that was already done for it. So how yeah. did this film manage to mess it up so absolutely spectacularly also don't even get me started on the fact that they go on a hunt for jesus blood which is behind a flipping polystyrene door that's been spray painted to look like stone (laughs) it's absolute garbage like if you're making a film in the conjuring universe don't come at me with cheap crap set pieces like i think no offense (laughs) corinne hardy and team but i think our entry to the conjuring universe Hashtag my animal creation. <laughs> Looks more clang, expensive clang. than the nun. Like, and we yeah. made that on a shoestring. We built a bloody confession booth in a shed, for God's sake. Twice. So don't come at me with your polystyrene <laughs> flipping doors and your crappy little vial of Jesus blood. Like, get in the absolute bin, set yourself on fire, and then roll <laughs> yourself into the sea. Oh, my God. Thank you and good night. <laughs> That's some strong feelings that Charles just yeah. It's so shit. So it's just to clarify no. <laughs> on the fence about the nun. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think she actually liked it. To be honest, I mean, the thing is as well. It it's got I, I mean it's got decent. I mean fairly unknown, but it's got decent actors. Mm. You've got Taisa Farmiga. Yeah, I mean, she is well established. Yeah, and yeah. a good apart, actress. Apart from Taisa Farmiga, like there's a lot of unknown actors in it. So. Mm. But I just, I, I, I feel sorry. For, I, in a way, I kind of feel sorry for it because it should have been better. And I think maybe it did suffer the fact that Valak was established in such a fantastic mm-hmm. way that maybe they shouldn't have bothered. I think there maybe was two they things. Just should have left it. There were two things that really didn't help the nun. I think one, I, I don't know, because obviously from the perspective we came at, we knew Corin Hardy. And I don't know who's obviously seen. The, uh, the Hallow, I think it's a fantastic film, homegrown horror, uh, Irish folklore, and obviously a British director, it's great to see, doing well. 
Um, so I think going from that and then knowing he was doing The Nun, there was an expectation which was like up here about what we were going to see on screen. Also, I think James Wan did maybe too good a job with the character of Valak in in The Conjuring 2. And I think that's kind of to its detriment because I, I don't know if obviously you guys know, um, Valak was actually part of reshoots. That, that character was not in The Conjuring 2 initially at all. Um, James Wan shared some images recently on Instagram and it was this big animatronic demon thing, which looked great. But quite honestly, I think Valak is so much better. But I think that might be why The Nun was crap because... They didn't have this backstory for that character. It was it was something that was added in, and then they were like, "Oh God, people are responding well to this. Let's make a film about it." Yeah, so, I feel like it went back to like you know when they just kind of went, "Oh, Friday the Thirteenth's done well. Here's seventeen sequels." <laughs> yeah. Well, here's seventeen sequels. No, leave Valak in the Conjuring Two. It didn't need its own spin-off, and if it did, mm-hmm. it should have been a hell of a lot better because Valak as a character was terrifying. I remember we went to a Halloween party and you dressed up as Valak, Liam, and it was terrifying. And I knew it was you, but it was still not the one. But, because Valak was such a scary character. But then oh, it it really upset me because I think I very little scares me now. Um, you know, just because we make horror films, I've, I'm a massive horror fan. It takes a lot to scare me. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Valak did scare me made me go, ooh. And when I found that they were doing a film of The Nun, I was like, ooh, okay, this is going to be scary. And it just, at no point was I scared. And that's what upset me mm-hmm. as well, the fact that there were no scares. There were about 800 attempts at some jump scares. Not one of them landed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think um, it was Mark Kermode in one of his reviews d- described it as quiet, quiet, non. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It hits the nail on the head. I think it's one of those films that is like a perfect example of something that has every single possible ingredient to be fantastic, but yeah. then just isn't. I mean, the mm. fact that Gary Doberman was even—he wrote the script, and he was obviously writing on the Conjuring films and the mm. Annabelle films. Why was it so bad? Like, it sticks out as the worst entry to the Conjuring universe by far. By by a country mile, it is the worst. I don't know if I necessarily feel it was as bad as the first Annabelle film. Like I feel like that had a lot of issues, and I don't know if if we got a second non film, if those issues would be rectified similarly to the Annabelle kind of mm. series, because that's got its own like trilogy now. But I I don't know. I think yeah, I'm with you on that one. It was it was utter trash, unfortunately. <laughs> and we're all agreed, which is which is nice. Yes. Apart from Charlie, who I'm still not sure about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think whilst we're, we're we're rattling through, I think I think we 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 flip on to Sarah's choice, uh, and then Liam will go back to you. Um, I'll let you stew a little bit longer. Thanks so much. Seeing, seeing the steam rise from his ears. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's just gas, Sarah. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no such thing as smell vision, my friend. Um, so my choice, I feel like there's just a running theme that whenever I come on this podcast, I kind of go for the most, almost Bobby Basic, most <laughs> consumer option there is available. And it, there's no particular reason why. Um, it, it's just, it seemed to happen. So I'm going to be talking about The Purge, namely, I don't want to get confused here, the first Purge film that was made and then the actual film titled The First Purge. 
So okay. prequel and then the actual purge. It's all very confusing. Mm, okay. That's an appointment in itself, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so I kind of want to preface it with like the fact that I do enjoy these films. Like I am a big sucker for, you know, like the socio-political commentary and kind of I'm a big fan of like the home invasion trope as a whole, mm-hmm. um, especially with kind of the first purge. I think it definitely had legs, and I think that the first purge film that was released. This is going to get so confusing. Call it original um, purge. Yeah, original. The original purge. Original purge. <laughs> the original purge um, I think perhaps. It's, you know, despite its characters that I didn't really give a damn about for one reason or another, I think that it kind of, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, open for discussion, was purposefully disappointing because it was perhaps a thought that, you know, this whole concept, this world could be really, really popular. And I know that, like, when I saw, like, all the marketing materials for this and just this stark image of, like, the creepy mask, like, I was sold based on that. So really simple, really clever. And the fact that, you know, the original Purge was almost entirely set within one household, it definitely kept people, like, intrigued, despite how simple the story is itself. Um, but then, like, going to the first purge, um, so obviously the the prequel story, when we get to learn kind of experiment from the get-go, the new founding fathers and kind of their motivation, and the concept deservedly so was, I think it was, like, one of the lowest budget films to hit the top of the box office since, like, the late 80s, um, which which is, is cool to know. But I just can't forgive... The fancy packaging um and i thought i really really wanted the first purge to explore so much more than it actually did as a theme i feel like it tried to do too much too soon by focusing in on so many different characters and okay now we're going to take you to this person and by the time you figured out what's going on there you're going on to the next person and you can't really emote or feel for these characters because it's it's scary like Mm. the fear of being murdered is is horrible um but another disappointment nice segue is Mm. i felt like you know you think of all of the things that have yet to be explored that they could have explored so much better than what they have done with the stories so you think the purge okay all crime is legal to me, there are scarier crimes than murder. I know there are murders f-ing horrible, but there are certain <laughs> talks about like, people with like rape culture and that sort of thing. Like there yeah. are so many fears that haven't been tapped into yet, and because we are kind of so, I guess, desensitized to just blatant murder, mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of lost its appeal and it's lost its punch mm. and there's so many things that like the series the franchise could have gone into and especially when you watch it compared to something like your next 
Mm. Um, which I feel did it a whole lot better than than this film did in characters that you actually give a damn about. So I think it needed better writing, better characters, and and more mm. of an exploration of kind of the why, not just we want to get rid of homeless people and undesirables. Yeah. I, I, guess. Th- I think you make a really good point about um, that kind of the lack of punch that it could have had. Um, but I think again you sort of iterated you know yourself that it was it got to the top of the box office and at the end of the day it's a film that is out there to make money and i think if it went away from the kind of the murder aspect of it and started delving into these other things Mm. um you probably lose some of the audience and they've probably made that decision you know this is going to be uh is it i I guess is it still an r-rated film in america or is it like a heavy pg-13 I think they've got less and less as it's gone that's, on. That's what I mean. They'll make they're less and less, yeah. and they'll make more money because of it. So yeah. I, I think they've taken that decision, disappointingly, like Sarah says, to pander mm. to an audience that just wants to see people beating up poor people and people beating up rich people. Unfortunately, I, so. I, w- I will say um, that I think I slightly disagree with you a little bit, Sarah. Um, just in terms of if you're thinking, if when you're talking about the first purge, as in the film called the first purge, not the original purge. Um, I think yeah, the original purge definitely has a lot to answer for, and I, I think it was definitely concept over um, quality, maybe. And Personally, I, think that's I loved the legs. original purge. I'm just putting that one out there. I think I don't, yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was too too bad. With me. <laughs> that's your opinion <laughs> um but i think the first purge so the prequel film i think that did kind of tap into some scarier things because it did have the the idea of obviously the the guy who just um just wanted to kill a maim because he could and it, there was those like random acts but there is also there's a scene that stays with me in that um in in that film i'm, I'm sure i'm talking about the right one um where the woman kind of gets dragged into like the sewer part way and there's like these weird men wearing like baby masks and they're all like trying to like touch her inappropriately and stuff and i think if it had gone any further than that like jono said i think it might have alienated people and crossed a line Uh, particularly because i think that the demographic for that series is very much i think teenage boys quite honestly and teenage girls i guess if they like horror but i'm i'm not not too sure it was the most successful. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Like, there are some points in the film that did make me kind of emote in the ways that mm. I would expect during, like, a horror film. So, I, like, the bit where um, where they're even just announcing the actual purge and they're all kind of sat in the church together as a community. Yeah. It kind of got that knowing look in their eyes of, like... You're gonna get yeah. religion is is obviously quite a key yeah. hard hitter in this film as well. Um, so that it's not it's not entirely, but I think it it definitely for me anyway. And it might just be because I have had really high expectations of them sort of announcing, you know, we're going to delve deeper into what mm. exactly happened at the beginning and and go into more detail. I guess I kind of just wanted more I, I can't I, I can't explain fully and I guess that's kind of the job of being on the podcast but it was missing something but I'm not quite sure what but 
said that, and then they, they've now got a Netflix series, hasn't it? Yeah. Amazon Prime, I, I think it's come and gone. Yeah. Um, two series, and I think it's been cancelled now. Yeah. You, so, you watched that, though, didn't you, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, I watched it, and I thought the first season was a little bit lacking. Uh, but then I, I really did enjoy the second season. I thought the second season had some real potential, but then obviously it didn't get the viewers. It, it's now been cancelled, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to do what they couldn't do in the film, uh, which is what Sarah was saying, where they they had a lot of characters, but because it was a series, they were able to spend the time that they needed with the different yeah. characters instead of just flitting over and going, well, we'll see them for two minutes, we'll see them for two minutes. I'm wondering if it's one of those films that maybe should have just been a TV series from the get-go. Like, all along, mm. because it needed you to get to know characters to care about them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's very yeah. difficult with that particular style of film where it is kind of basically a little bit just of a hack and slash kind of situation that you don't get their time to care about the families, aside from the fact that, obviously, in the original Purge, they wrote an absolute bastard group of a family into the script and you just didn't care about them i mean maybe that was the point i think that was the charm of it because they were very entitled characters weren't they i think there was that kind of joy in seeing them being knocked down a level that's what i liked about the first one you you didn't know who to root for exactly in theory you knew that you should be rooting for the people whose house was getting broken into but at the same time you were thinking go on well yeah because i mean Robot. He, he, he made the security systems, yeah. didn't he? So you're kind of like, well, you're very much part of the problem, so you deserve this. Mm. Um, so Sorry, Sarah, I didn't mean to cut you off then. No, I, I was just saying that um, my favourite character in the first original Purge film was the creepy robot that belonged to the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, and it wasn't so much the characters that I didn't like. It was a dialogue, I think, for mm. me. It almost felt like they got these actors to just come in and go, just say whatever pops into your head. And we'll just go with that. For me, because Lena Headey's in the first film. Yeah, and Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> Ethan like Hawke. Like two actors there that are good. I mean, I, I like Ethan Hawke, but like Lena Headey is on like she's probably in my top three of actresses that I would love to work with. Mm. And she's such a good actor, and I, I I always get disappointed when like really really like top-notch actors get involved in films that like are just a little bit trashy because i'm kind of like why did you choose to do this yeah um i don't I think know the same reason that we've had eight purge films <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's the money i think it has it is a really strong premise and it's definitely one that i would be interested in you know from a production point of view was story sort of thing and, it, and to be fair, she does get her comeuppance in like, literally the last 10 minutes of the film where she smashes that horrible Vince head on the table. <laughs> yes. the only time where I'm like, yes, I support your actions. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting that you say about the, the whole money situation, um, like whether they took the role from the money, because I would imagine that the actual the money involved from an actor's perspective probably wouldn't be be huge, especially for the first purge, mm. well the the original purge, sorry. But I, I think guess the Ethan appeal of it... got a career out of it though, didn't he? Because then things like yeah. Sinister happened and other things. So I yeah. think he just needed to get back on the screen, to be honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, and I guess it was 
appealing as well in the sense that it was probably shot extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, they could jump on it after another project. Oh, it's you know interesting premise. Jump on that for three weeks. Move on potentially. Mm. I mean, the idea is very much in kind of like everyone's mind now, isn't it? Like, I think it is part of pop culture, and it's um, it's done well to stay in people's heads. Oh yeah. So like, even if I hear just hear the siren, I immediately think, oh, that's the purge. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, there was a guy driving around uh, Derby playing the purge siren when COVID first hit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! That's oh, so. That's just brilliant. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have seen that. Which is, you know, it, that's when you know something's hit the spot isn't it when when people mm. are doing it spontaneously yeah i think it, it does feel wrong. <laughs> <laughs> i just i think it doesn't feel too far away from like something that genuinely would be introduced in maybe america or maybe mm. russia i think Somewhere depending like on that. who's who's leading america we'll yeah. leave it well, there yeah. and not china, get too political <laughs> <laughs> no i think not you mean get, china <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? Like, oh, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Goodbye. But yeah, I think. <laughs> world. I think that that was the thing that I liked about like the whole concept was the fact that it it felt uh, almost possible, almost plausible that mm. we could mm. see that kind of thing happen in the next mm. ten years, um, which is a terrifying concept. But I just think maybe not executed quite. Yeah. as well as it could have been. I think that's mm. where Sarah's hit the nail on the head, that the concept mm. itself is absolutely class, but they could have done so much more. Yeah, yeah but that, for sure. That's, that's the disappointment. Um, oh, God, not again. I don't know why I look, I'm looking around, because nobody can see me, but there is a noise. <laughs> it's Valak. It's not no, It's Valak. <laughs> it's potentially worse. And to be fair, my gate's just open, so I think someone's coming to home and they me right now. It's Possibly Balak. somebody who's produced the Purge films to come and just finish That is ridiculous that you can do that so well, Jono. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> my one talent. Oh, I've got it so loud in here. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It's Nick Cage. He's just. Yeah, he's in the corner. I'm sorry. Um, he's asked me to tell you a certain number of things. He wants me to let you know about all the roles that he turned down. Films that could have had Nicolas Cage in and therefore, in my eyes, are huge disappointments because of it. Just every film, then. Is that no. basically every film that doesn't have Nick Cage in it, then? Well, um, I could have gone for that, but no, these are the ones that apparently he himself has turned down or at least has, has kind of been in the running for, whether he turned them down or they went, what are you on about, Nick? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But obviously we all know about um, Superman, that he was cast as Superman in Tim Burton's Superman oh. epic. He had a costume fitting and everything, but that's not the only... Yeah fantastic character that Nick Cage has almost played um, <laughs> did you know that he could have been Aragorn in Lord of the Rings <laughs> oh. do you know what I feel like I've read this somewhere and I don't know if it's because I, I know you that I know that information I'm going to say like I think I knew this one but that's because I'm like a massive Lord of the Rings nerd 
I, yeah. I know a shocking amount of trivia to do with the Lord of the Rings films, so. But yeah. Do you, I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna. But it just be not the orcs, not the orcs. Oh not God, the... not the orcs. <laughs> So, Viggo Mortensen wasn't originally uh, Aragorn anyway, was he? Because uh, who was it that turned uh, it was in place? Well, I'm not going to lie. Did you, did I, I? I don't know if this is just me, but did you guys really know much of Viggo Mortensen before he was Aragorn? Because I feel like no. that's kind of his thing. That was that and was that's where when I, I knew who he was. First knew of him, but he took over from um, Stuart Townsend apparently. Okay. Right before filming began, Stuart Townsend of Queen of the Damned fame. Oh. Amongst. But others. I can't imagine anyone else in that role. No. So apart from Nicholas Cage, um, obviously. Um, I just I can't Stuart fathom Townsend how that would have gone down. Yeah. Was actually fired from Lord of the Rings. Ah, was he? Oh. oh. A day before filming. Oh. Due yeah. to Nicholas Cage's demands. No, apparently <laughs> it, was due, it was due to a um a contract breach. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Mm. Oh, we do love some tea on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Told you I knew a shocking amount of... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Lord of the Could you just get that off the top of your head? That's crazy. Legend, Charlie. Thanks. <laughs> um, the next film that Nicolas Cage was almost in, and again, would have changed the film completely. So, I think you can all agree that in The Matrix, Keanu Reeves <laughs> plays Neo in a way that... He's, he's, it's a quiet performance in, in a way it's it's kind of one note it's monotone but it fits the character of neo nicholas cage was apparently up for the role how would that have gone down it's he a simulation man <laughs> he would have just taken both of them oh, yeah wow. he'd have just od'd on all of the pills the next one, this was a voice role that he turned down. Uh, think of a, a character that Nicholas Page could have could have played. Stuart Little. Not Stuart Little. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, gosh. we definitely need to hear that 100%. Um, a voice actor. Ooh. Oh, yeah, it was a, a voice performance. So this is kind of the star of this animated film. Is it Franchise. a kid Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. Toys, someone in Toy Story? No, 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 not Pixar. Huge, mm. probably the biggest... Shrek. Animated French, yeah, Shrek. He was almost Shrek. Nicholas Cage, Shrek. No, class, wouldn't it? Oh. oh. What are you doing? I just can't stuff? imagine him saying donkey. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> it would be donkey. <laughs> It'd just be very, very flat. Nick um, Cage's love, Nick Cage's life. Yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, he was also almost in Dumb and Dumber, opposite Jim Carrey. That I could say. That, yeah. see, that could that, that could have been interesting. That could work. That mm. could have actually been better. <laughs> oh. oh, Liam Banks. No. We love Jeff Daniels. Yeah. We also with love the, Nicolas Cage. We do, more so. <laughs> we don't have a Jeff Daniels corner. <laughs> exactly. Well, there are four corners of a room, so or maybe Cage. we can make space for him. Yeah, no, no, he, Cage fills the room, Charlie. He fills the room. He is the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he is a corner. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> sticking with the Jim Carrey theme, he could have also no. had. Oh, what are you thinking? Ace Ventura. No. Oh, the okay. Mask. Potentially the another Riddler. one that I think could have worked. Um, he could have played Joel Barish in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh. Mm. 
mm. which I think, given Cage's kind of kooky nature, could have could have fit quite well. Mm. I think Jim Carrey nails it, but I th- I yeah. think that wouldn't have been an awful decision. Uh, he was almost uh, the title character in The Wrestler. Instead of Mickey Rourke? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that definitely Goodness would not say. have worked. But apparently he was happy that Mickey Rourke got the role in the end. He was pleased for him. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so glad that Nicholas Cage yeah. approved of that casting. Um, what else? It'd be got? Nicholas in the cage instead of Nicholas Cage. Puns, puns, puns. Here's one that I think could have been absolutely fantastic, and I'm really disappointed that it wasn't. He was almost Chef Chelios in Crank. No. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah. again, I'm, I think I'm happy with how it worked out on that one. Just <laughs> think how mentally could have been. Because I mean, he, that film's he, pretty intense anyway. Have you seen worked. number two yeah. as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he worked with the directors, didn't he, on Ghost Rider 2? Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of Ghost Rider, but turned up, yeah. I felt, in terms of just ridiculousness. So I think he could have slipped into the Crank universe quite well. <laughs> um. So there you go. I, I I think about eight disappointing things there about Nicolas Cage. I mean, what, what could have been? I mean, I believe in parallel universes, so there's probably a universe somewhere, Johnny, where he did do all of those roles. Uh, there's so. a, a universe somewhere where he plays absolutely every role ever. There's probably oh. a universe where everyone is just Nicolas Cage. Oh, the dream. <laughs> Lord of the Rings would have won 13 Oscars for its final film. 14. Nicolas Cage Best actor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would have just thrown Frodo in at the end instead of just the ring, or, or, or there'd have been yeah. something that he's, he's that would have altered. Yeah, I, <laughs> it would have been, been an interesting goal. <laughs> Do you know what? Yes, I, I would. I, yeah, I think he would have golem. made a great golem. Yeah. Oh no, but Andy Circus, man, like no. Mm. But mm. Nicholas Cage, though. But Nicholas Cage, <laughs> say my precious. Yeah. <laughs> Touching his ring. Touch it, Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, My lord. I'm going to divert it away from Nicolas Cage and back to general horror disappointments. Uh, I'm going to leave Liam hanging again because I know he's really excited about his and <laughs> I can see him just having issues and palpitations. Um, Jesus Christ, John. <laughs> so, my choice that I'm bringing to the table isn't a specific film, uh, it's more kind of a trend in horror. And it's, mm-hmm. I guess it's just a trend in general. Uh, and that is the Pointless Horror remake. Um, okay. So, Charlie... Um, no, not Charlie. Liam's touched on it with uh, Carrie earlier on. Mm-hmm. film that both Liam and Charlie hated. Um, <laughs> because mm-hmm. it offered absolutely nothing new. What yeah. it could have done. I want to go down a little bit of a slightly different route. In the sense that the film that it's really annoyed me about is um, the film that we saw at Mayhem a couple of years ago, uh, The One Cut of the Dead, Liam. Yeah. Which was absolutely class. Japanese film, low-budget, zombie comedy horror about the making of a a zombie film. It is pitch perfect. It's in Japanese, but I think that is part of its charm. It's that kind of 
otherness about it that it's you can tell it's very not British. It's got that Japanese sense of humour, but it just translated so well. The characters yep. were quirky. The characters worked because, to kind of a Western audience, they were, for want of a better word, odd. A lot of them, and, and yeah. it kind of you got that that vibe from it. You went along with the ride, and everyone in that cinema was howling with laughter, and. Mm-hmm. Kind of did a little. It had a small run at the cinemas afterwards, where it played um, places like the Quad or um, smaller cinemas around the country. And I remember, I took a few people who normally wouldn't go and see um, foreign films, let alone kind of foreign like genre films. Um, yeah, they wouldn't go and see that sort of film. But I said, no, look, you've got to come and see this because it is hilarious. Stick with it; it's fantastic. Yeah. And everybody had the same experience. Thought it was class. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, there's going to be an American remake, and it, yeah. it saddens me that instead of pushing the original and getting that out there to be seen, they're going to remake yeah. it in the English language, and it's just I, I can't see it offering anything new, and it saddens me. I think we know 100% it'll be not as good. Like well, that's kind that. of like oh. what a lot of Japanese remakes into like American audience for American audiences have done like look at the grudge look at the ring yeah are they as good as the original no they're not it's funny you say that because on this list that I had we one that I didn't mention earlier was the redo of the grudge from 2020 as well because not only did we get yeah not only did we get a an English American remake um of the original grudge we then had kind of like a a reimagining or a restart or i don't know what they call it now it's like a soft reboot isn't it um in 2020 and again absolute arse it was just dreadful um but i know that good night mommy as well i don't know if you guys have seen that um which i think is a danish film that's just been announced as being remade for uh english audiences with naomi watts in the title role Um, i did see that they were making it but i haven't seen the original well, I only recently watched it, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. So just yeah. leave it. Watch it with the subtitles on. Like, it's really Even not that hard. I feel like the only reason they remake it is because people can't be asked to read some subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it just it, it drains the soul out of the film, like the original. Mm-hmm. Just so what? You don't have to read some subtitles. Grow up. Read the damn subtitles. I think that's what worked for One Cut of the Dead, wasn't it, Jono? It was like, like you said, it was because I think the sensibilities and the way people acted and stuff, it wasn't necessarily what we were used to. And that's what gave it that charm and made yeah. you kind of think, oh, okay, what's going on? So you didn't quite click to it all straight away. Exactly. And I don't know. I, I know what American comedies can be like sometimes. And I just know it's going to be awful in every sense of the word. And the thing just, is, yeah. it sort of happens, doesn't it, quite a lot when a sense of humour that is so sort of ingrained um, in one country's culture Mm -hmm. is then sort of twisted to fit into another one. So, for example, um, the in-betweeners over here is very British. Yes. Um, Yeah, yeah. That was remade in America and it absolutely bombed because it took everything that made it funny and Mm -hmm. tried to make... uh, basically Americanised it. And it bombed over there. Sorry? Yeah the british one like there's there's some like the first few episodes at least that i've tried to consume they literally have exactly the yeah. same dialogue in that 
who won't be funny to an American audience. Exactly. And yeah. yet, if they watched the British version, would probably find it funny. Yeah. Because it's yeah. well done. Because but it's, it's also because they're coming at it being American exactly. and not quite knowing what we're like, I suppose, yeah. the same way as we did with One Cut of the Dead. It's yeah. like, I can just imagine the POM thing being, like, substituted for something else and it just coming off as obnoxious as opposed to yeah. oddly charming, yeah. which it did in One Cut of the Dead. I think that the one time it's sort of worked is when a formula is taken and then tweaked in such a way that enhances it. So something mm-hmm. like the English office then going over to America say, then becomes totally different um, yeah. and works. Because yeah. the general conceit, the general concept, sorry, is is the same, but then the mm. way it's approached is so wildly different. That's when I it think- works. The uh, the US office is arguably better, agreed. I think than the UK office, and I I don't know why, but it's the I think the only time I've preferred like a re a reimagining of mm. something like that than the original. The original UK office is okay, but the American one is I don't know why it just kills me. Hmm. Yeah. I think it is because they're trying to do their own thing with it, isn't it? Yeah. And they, I don't know. It, it, it took me, I think, some time to actually realise that they were the same kind of thing mm-hmm. for, for a long time. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of, of remakes that I think that have been done from foreign films that have actually been any better. And, I mean, the only one that kind of comes to mind, I guess, a bit would be The Ring. Like, I did enjoy that a lot more compared to the original because I think we said this before I don't think the original Ring or Ringu is that scary but again no. it took that idea yeah. and then rolled with it and made it it's got its whole thing going on like they they, they made a whole kind of different story out of it yeah. which I thought was great It's um, that's when it works it's another one that stresses me out is the American remake of Old Boy which is just Old Boy but turned down a notch like yeah. why? Yeah, Why it's, you done it's this? not good, is it? Uh, one film that I'm pleasantly surprised, though, I'm going to leave it on a, <laughs> a happy note um, that it's not been renamed, um, to my knowledge, is uh, the Spanish film The Orphanage. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's oh. not had a remake because that is absolutely class and I thought it'd be ripe for one. Put to next month's uh, podcast episode. Um, yeah, so on. the orphanage has been announced with uh, Naomi Watts in the title role again. <laughs> does she just? Does she just she go just around likes, like yeah. phone her agent and go, "Hi, yeah, okay, another remake from a Japanese film. Yep, I'm on it." Quite possibly, <laughs> like a hundred percent, because I'm sure there is another one that she's done, which is um, a remake of of something. Um, let me just have. Um, Funny Games. That was another foreign remake. That was Danish, wasn't it? Funny Games. Yeah, originally. Mm. So, so she's done that. Ring. Now cool. she's doing Good Night, Mommy. I mean, it's a career, isn't it? And I do like Naomi Watts. I'm mm. not going to lie. I do think she's um, very, very good. But interesting. Yeah, it's a choice. <laughs> interesting <laughs> about choices. Interesting choices. You've mm-hmm. got an interesting choice, Liam. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is where you need to have like the bleep on um, on standby for all of the I'm just going to preface talking about this film by saying that we went to see this together and I remember <laughs> the anger as we left the cinema I I, think... no one was yeah. safe 
everyone <laughs> his opinion of the film. Women and, and children and running away as, uh, <laughs> as, as I left. Um, I think you always used to know if I, I didn't like a film, if I was sat next to you and I'd like sigh really loudly oh, yeah, or I'd take is, an intake of you, breath. If you go to the cinema with Liam and you hear this noise... <laughs> It means he's not enjoying it. If there's a long exhale of air, from the nose, <laughs> it means he f-ing hates this film and he thinks it's crap. Um, <laughs> Just so you're so aware, yeah. Charlie. Sorry that that noise didn't come through. So I'm going to put in my own ridiculous noise. That's why I thought it's probably better to describe the noise as well as do it. <laughs> Just in yeah, case. If you just hear Liam in the cinema make this noise. Oh, yeah. If <laughs> he does not like the film. Just you wait. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, but, yeah, I, the, the film that I probably hold up as one of the biggest disappointments for me uh, ever is from 2014, and it is The Babadook, a.k.a. Mr. Creek, because they're Australian obviously Mr. the Creek. same f-ing film. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you'd like um, to see our short version of the Babadook, <laughs> please head to the Super Freak Media YouTube channel. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and we'll get into the meat of why it's basically the same film in just a moment. So, um, 2014, um, Jennifer Kent directed The Babadook. It's an Australian film, actually based off of a short film, which is hilarious because Mr. Creek's also a short film, so <laughs> probably copied that as well. Um <laughs> Her short film was called Monster and was made in 2005. So it took a good almost 10 years of gestation for her to make this shit. Um, And quite honestly, I think, again, it's just a perfect example of where marketing was just way off with what actually the film was. Um, Because I'm sure at the time I can remember seeing that like the trailer had broke records. Everyone was watching it, sharing it. I can remember even people I knew who weren't that into film knew about The Babadook and were going to see it. Uh, It's basically sold as being like this terrifying experience with this monster. And it's it's just really not. It's it's really not. And I think that's where my disappointment came from, was the fact it just wasn't what I expected it to be at all. Do we think Um, that's the fault of the film though or is that the fault of the marketing because I think the marketing's mm. done its job they've got the people to go and see the film the filmmaker at this point probably hasn't got yeah. any say in what happens I like the fact no, that they're yeah. keeping quiet <laughs> don't blame the marketing <laughs> team um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you Jono I don't think I'm not blaming poor Jennifer Kent at the end of the day she's made a film that's been seen by millions of people which is the dream at the end of the day and that's great um there's a lot of good things going for the film so whilst it is a big disappointment for me i don't think it's it's just crazily bad in every aspect i I think it looks great the art direction is great performances i think are even great in it you've got essie davis playing amelia noah wiseman plays probably the world's most annoying kid that you just want to punch in the face repeatedly um and i mean i i had a look at these guys and uh, funnily enough, Noah Wiseman hasn't done much in the way of acting since uh, since being in the Babadook. So someone probably did find that kid and uh, just dispose <laughs> <laughs> dispose of him. He's um, in the same bin as, um, <laughs> as the nun. As the nun. <laughs> Currently burning and on fire. Um, we do not condone child violence on this podcast. Uh, just just a disclaimer there. Um, I don't know. I think. There's a lot of films, particularly like more recently the A24 films. So you've got like Hereditary, St. Maud, The Witch, uh, The Lighthouse, all of those sorts of things. 
they're marketed in a way that I think you know going into it, unless you're a bit of a dope, you know it's going to be something with a bit of an artistic flair. It's a bit art housey that sort of thing. Um, so your expectations are clearly laid out, I think, before you go into it. The Babadook kind of just went like it was just this general horror kind of blockbuster thing, and it, it really wasn't. It was, I think it was very arty. The whole basis of it is that it's a metaphor for, like, this monster, this creature, is a metaphor for what the characters are going through, so, like, mental health problems, grief, depression, and it manifests itself in this form that the kind of the two central characters have to tackle. That is a great premise. It's it is nicely done, but it's just I don't know that there's just something about it that really kind of bothered me at the time. And funnily enough, this was pre Mister Creek anyway. And then this is where obviously the story gets interesting and personal. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we we made a film um, called Mister Creek, which we it was part of our One Minute Nightmare series. We then entered it into the BBC competition called The Fear. Um, and it was basically the show's premise was that the audience would watch these short films, rank them, and then the director of Blair Witch would decide which one got developed into like a bigger film or or a feature or things like that. Um, now there was there was two guys on that show who I don't mean them any ill will, but they were kind of toted as the film guys, so like they knew about the films. Um, and their comment where they immediately compared Mr. Creek to the Babadook because there's a nursery rhyme basically just meant that that's all we got on social media for the film. It was just like, oh, this is a Babadook, uh, Babadook ripoff. This is a knockoff of this. This is that. And it, it just left a really sour taste in my mouth because I don't feel like our film is anything like that. And it just kind of, I don't know, it, they share themes in the sense that there's this childhood kind of nursery rhyme but that's it um, yeah, but so many films have childhood nursery rhymes in them exactly like One nightmare on elm street you. girls exactly. are skipping over a skipping rope oh no our film is like nightmare on elm street no it isn't shut up <laughs> if anything that was probably the inspiration for it was that childhood kind yeah. of nursery rhyme and the fact that this i mean the whole premise was that this was a character going back through like childhood memories so that would have probably been a nursery rhyme that penelope knew when she was younger Mm-hmm. Um, and like did like the like uh, the Ring of Roses um, rhyme that sort of thing. So I don't know. It just it really vexed me, guys. Like even like now we will get stuff like oh that's cool, mate. Like the Babadook. You're like no, it really isn't. It's like every other film before that. Oh I don't know. It's own thing. But we pricks. Ha- we hadn't seen pricks. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> we oh, hadn't seen the Babadook. Where everyone is angry. Well, no, this is the thing. It's like, I feel like it kind of happened at a similar sort of time that we saw this film, because although this was released in 2014, I don't believe we actually saw it until kind of the start of the next year. And we produced Mr. Creek in February of 2015. So I I really don't get it. Like, there's no no storybook that, that the character's reading from. There's notes that have a rhyme on. I think that the only parallels are that you have this this creature and you have a nursery rhyme, but that's it. That is it. Yeah, but it's and like the Babadook. I don't know. Thing, it's the Babadook. <sighs> just yeah, <laughs> just 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 don't. Um, we've never had it with any other um, any other of our films. And whilst I take it as a huge compliment that we get those comparisons to things, 
it just bothers me that I think people think we we see a film, sit down, and then go, oh, I might like to take that idea and write my own like version of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, let's just do that, but shorter. Yeah, it's it, it yeah, it, it's just an insult, I think, in many ways, and I don't usually get that thingied about stuff, but. <laughs> But here we go. <sighs> the Bavanoo Clan. But on the flip the... side, maybe people have watched it, Mr. Creek. I mean, because people have gone, oh, have you seen that film on YouTube that's like the Babadook? So maybe that's one of the reasons it's got so many views. So maybe just yeah. playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. Or maybe. Liam's looking like he actually wants to stab me in the face right now, so I'm going to show up. Maybe. Oh, no. no. I'm just thinking of the Babadook again. Someone's, <laughs> someone's watching the Babadook and going, that's just Mr. Creek, mate. Just yeah. like Mr. Creek, innit? You're on about... Well, this is, this is it. Which there, is there equally have been as ton, ridiculous. There have been a ton of films where I've seen stuff. Uh, so let's go back to The Nun, for example, Charlie. We had a scene in The Confession, the, um, the My Annabelle Creation film that we made, and there's the scene, obviously, where you then get taken out, Charlie, where there's the yeah. demon at the end of the corridor. Right. Oh, cut to like a year later, there's a trailer for The Nun and then a nun takes out the character in, in the corridor. You didn't see me like crying online about the fact that they'd stolen the idea and, and, and thinking, but there's similarities. So why aren't we commenting? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the confession, mate. I think it's, it's all right on on the internet. I feel like, I feel like we're going to get trolled for me saying this, but I don't care. I feel like it's okay when big studios rip off smaller yes. artists and smaller creators smaller filmmakers but mm-hmm. when we look like we do it oh my god we're the devils burn us and sacrifice us to the film gods <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ it's yeah like mm. it's like it's uh, almost as if you don't have money and you don't have studio backing you can't have any original ideas and yeah. it's like and the thing is off, if you look hard enough you'll find something that's similar to it if, if yeah you, it, yeah, there's so many things that have been done now that if an original idea is exceptionally hard to come by, and mm-hmm. even then, you'll find something that has some sort of similarity somewhere. But yeah. it, it's interesting with the Babadook Liam that the am I right in thinking that the thing that disappointed you the most was that it wasn't the film that it was marketed as? Yeah, I think the initial thing was I, I think I was already in a bit of a bad mood with it from just watching it. But then the fact that we got compared to the film that I really didn't like that much at the time, which I think everyone was saying was like the new Exorcist, which I just I don't see it personally. I just I don't get it because I know the likes of Commode, all of the critics that you'd respect their opinion on. They were like falling over this film. And I just I really, really didn't see it. Um, And I don't know. I feel like you felt similarly, Charlie, at the time. Obviously, opinions change, but it was just a a letdown. It's not one of those films that I've gone back and watched just because I don't feel like I've needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are films that I will, like lots of horror films, that I will go back and watch over and over again. But with this one, I was just kind of like, ah. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the exploration of mental health can be done in horror in a horror way. And I feel like the idea behind it, kind of like when Sarah was talking about The Purge, is so interesting. Yeah. But I just feel like it was like, oh, that's what this film is about. And like you said with the marketing, I think they marketed it. I think the marketing team read a vague description of the film, Mm -hmm. i.e. 
there is a monster and a child and a nursery rhyme and they created a trailer off the back of that rather than actually watching the film and going oh this is it and i don't know if they did it to try and make it like a twist like Mm. oh we've led you down this garden path but oh psych it's actually a film about this yeah but if that was their intention then it didn't work I mean, kudos to the marketing team because it was a great trailer and ultimately that's Mm -hmm. the reason a lot of people went to see it and critics obviously did enjoy it because it would have stood out, I think, as being different at the time. Um, But I think it was because you obviously had the likes of like Insidious and all of these sorts of films around that time kind of bubbling up uh, and obviously Sinister, things like that, where you'd had these kind of villains be set up or these kind of really iconic looking characters. And it was pretty much like pegged in the same lane as that and it really just wasn't mm. um i think the best thing for me that came out of of this film um was the fact that it then accidentally became a gay icon when it was mislabeled on netflix like so many years later because you just had all of these films and then the babadook I love was the there fact that, that so. year so many people went to pride just addressed us about yeah <laughs> i mean that i think is 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 amazing um so yeah ending on a positive um I, I I appreciated that ending for it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening again this month to the Super Freak Media Podcast, No Ghouls Allowed. Before we go, I just want to pass you on to Charlie Clark for a few seconds just to chat about some blog posts that you may have missed. Yes, so this month we've actually got a special double bill month for you. So we've already got one up on... Um, horror soundtracks that we like to listen to when we're writing and we've also got one about directors that we've got our eye on so be sure to go and check those out and where can we find those charlie if you head to the super freak media website and click on blog you will find all of my lovely writings and ramblings there that sounds wonderfully self-explanatory thank you very much As always, if you'd like to enter the competition to win some Super Freak Media goodies, all you need to do is like the Instagram post that advertises this month's episode. Um, As always, thank you very much to my guests this time. We've had Charlie Clark. Thank you very much. Sarah Thomas. Thanking you. And Liam Banks. Thank you so, so much. Are you recovered now? I think I've I've got a lot out of my system on this podcast, so thank you for making this a safe space. I'm glad that this is going nowhere and no one's ever going to hear this. So thank you. It's not going on the internet at all. Nope. Um, so with that, as always, um, keep it creepy and see you on the other side. <laughs> what was that? Oh, it was Liam making weird <laughs> Liam arm just movements. Went. But it was like the slowest. I think it was the lag, because when I yeah. tell you my wrist nearly flew off, it nearly flew off. Yeah. <laughs> wrist down. It's not a thing. It's not. not it should never thing. be a thing. Nope. nope. I'm going to chef you up, fam. That's one of the things that the kids have been saying. Chef, chef you up. up. Chef you up. Like, chop you up, but with some chefy finesse. <laughs> chefy finesse. Yeah.
I'm going to chef you up. I'm going to chef you up. I'm going to chef you up. It's good, isn't it? I like that one. Yeah, I like that, actually. I'm going to start using it. Please do.